Hello and welcome to Essential Alchemy. Alchemy is defined as the power or process that changes or transforms something in a mysterious or impressive way. My hope is that the information in this podcast can help you transform your mood, your energy, physical health, or even connect some dots to help you shift your mental or emotional state. I'm your host, Jody Cohen, a best-selling author, award-winning journalist, functional practitioner, lifelong learner, and founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, a company that sells proprietary blends of high-quality organic or wild-crafted essential oil remedies designed to help you return to your ideal mental, physical, and emotional state. You can find out more about me and my company at VibrantBlueOils.com. And with that, let's get started with today's episode. Hi, I'm Jody Kahn, your host, and I'm so excited to share one of my favorite people today, one of my really good friends, actually. Dr. Debbie Silver is the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute and a holistic psychologist, a health mindset and personal development expert, the author of the number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Crisis, and her newest book, which I highly recommend, and we're going to talk more about this, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence, and Happiness. Debbie, welcome. Oh, hello, my friend. So great to be here with you. Oh my God, you know I love you. I so love my, you. my first question that I ask everyone is how do you define resilience? Mm. Resilience is getting back up there every single time you get knocked down. It's just showing your your fears, your doubts, your insecurities, who's in charge. That's a great definition. I love that. Um, and the other thing that, that I love, I mean, you talk a lot about resilience, but I want to kind of talk about what what situations in life require resilience, you know, those those crises that we bump into and how it shakes us up and wakes us up and allows for us to rebuild something better. Can you speak to that? Yeah, and and that's that's the, the benefit of a crisis. And I know people say benefit, she's crazy. No, because here's the thing. So often we walk around numb and we're just kind of sleepwalking through life or just getting by or just surviving. And it's when a crisis happens, it gives us that opportunity to reevaluate and say, wait a second, how am I living? What am I doing? What am I, what am I not doing? You know, what am I ready for? And it, it allows us to just then create a life based, you know, based on that. And, and that's where it's a great opportunity. And, you know, I, I always, look at it like it's a pendulum you know if you imagine the, the pendulum swings like this and this is where most of us live before crisis right before trauma not so good not so bad and then what happens is you have whatever the crisis is death of a loved one disease natural disaster betrayal whatever and it sends you like this now here's the challenge we're not supposed to stay here here's where you get your ideas together, you lick your wounds, you, you come up with a plan so that you have all the motivation and incentive you need to then do this, swing to greatness. When you think of any thought leader of our time, they're not teaching us anything from here and they're in too much pain to teach us from here. They've yeah. done this and this is what they're teaching us how to do. Oh my God, I completely love that. 
I love that. And you you have a, a process and you talk about the stages. Can you share how you get from here to here, please? Yeah. Yeah. And that was uh, in a study that I did. Uh, it, it was on betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? What happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? So I did a study. Of course, you don't study something like betrayal unless you have to. So I had two horrific betrayals. And one of the discoveries, it led to three discoveries. One of them was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal, we're going to move through five now proven predictable stages. And what's really exciting about that is now we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at each one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. So the beauty of that is now we know healing is predictable. I love that. Do you, do you want to share a little bit about your own betrayals? Oh, sure. So I had a, a family betrayal that was just so painful. And I thought I did everything I needed to do to heal. And um, apparently there was more work to do. And then a couple of years later, it was my husband, you know, like, like anybody who's been through it, you're devastated, blindsided. And um, I was, you know, I was just like anybody else. And so I got him out of the house and I said, okay, well, here I am. I have four kids and six dogs and a business. And I don't know what the heck to do, but I have to figure this out. And I like to learn. To me, that's how I figure stuff out. And I needed to learn this one at the PhD level. Yeah. So that's what I, so that's what I did. And I enrolled in a PhD program in transpersonal psychology, which is the psychology of transformation and human potential, because I was changing so much and I didn't quite understand it. He was too on his own. That was nice and all. I wasn't really ready to look at that. Um, but I was, I was just so determined to move through this. And I remember saying, you know, if I can find a way through this and, and heal, I'm taking everybody with me. Um, and that was the pledge and that was the promise. And, and sure enough, I, as I was healing, he was kind of doing his own thing. And I was like, well, what if, what if there's a bigger reason for this? What if I, what if I can heal from something like this? and then learn something so profound. And, and one of the things I did learn was rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. Certainly it just wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you can rebuild an entirely new relationship with that person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. So not long ago as two totally different people, we married each other again. I, I so love that. And I love taking people with you. And I think that's where we're aligned is somehow mm -hmm. staying stuck was not an option. No. Can you talk about um, why some people stay stuck? Oh, the, you know, it's, it's what we see out of the five stages of betrayal. And I'm happy to go through the stages. Yes, we, I want you to. That, okay, that is a classic stage three. So you know what, what, when I go through it, you will see, everyone will know exactly why they're staying stuck there. Oh, okay. So, so let's go through the five stages. So the first was like a setup stage. And I saw this with every single study participant, me too. And if you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, there was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing, not really prioritizing the feeling and being, right? But that's where our intuition lies and it would have served us. 
Anyway, if we only have two legs of a table strengthened, easy for that table to topple over. Stage two, uh, by far the scariest stage. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. This is D-Day, Discovery Day. It's as if the person just takes a mask off saying, oh, no, no, this is who I've been this whole time. It's a shock to the body, to the mind. So you've ignited the stress response. Now you're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview is shattered. Your mental model, these are the rules. This person's safe. Don't go there. This is how it all works. And in a moment, everything you've known to be real and true is no longer. It's terrifying. The bottom has bottomed out on you. But think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's by far the most practical of all the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How can I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? Where do I live? What do I do? But here's the trap. Once you've figured out how to survive, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you're like, whew, okay, I'm good. And you start planting roots there. You have no idea there's a stage four and stage five, but a few things happen. The first thing is you start getting these small self benefits from being there. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You get your story. If you tell your story to anybody, you get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. You don't have to do the hard work of trusting again. Do I trust you? Do I trust you? I forget it. I just won't trust anybody. So you justify your space. You start planting deeper roots because that's where you are. Now the mind starts doing things like, maybe you're not all that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe whatever. Deeper roots. Because you're here, you're here a while, and now you're talking this way about yourself, like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and people towards you that confirm that's where you belong. It gets worse. I'll get you out of it though. Because you don't like it, but you don't know it gets any better. You're resigning yourself to thinking, well, this, this stinks, but it's where I am. So the only way you deal with it is now you use things like food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, anything to numb, avoid, distract yourself. So now think about it. You do that for a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years. If I see some 20 years out and I say that, um, that drinking, or that emotional eating, do you think that has anything to do with that painful betrayal? They say, oh my gosh, that happened 20 years ago. But do you see, they were in a perpetual holding pattern that whole time. That's the stage we get stuck in, that's stage three. So common. If we're willing to let go of the story and everything that goes along with it, mourn the loss, you grieve. I mean, it's a real, it's a real thing, do a few things. You can move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you accept and acknowledge, I cannot undo that experience, but I can change what I do with it. And here's where, if you've ever moved to a house office condo apartment, you know, it's like, it's not quite cozy yet. You know, all your stuff isn't there, but it's going to be okay. So you're turning down the stress response. You're not physically healing just yet, but now you've stopped the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. I found this so interesting too. If you were to move, you don't necessarily take everything with you, right? You don't take the stuff that don't represent who you want to be. 
in that new space. Same thing here. If your friends weren't there for you, here's where you've outgrown them. You don't take them with you from stage three to stage four. You're, you're, you know, you are changing right here. When you've settled into that stage four, you're making it okay, you're making it home, you could settle into and move into stage five, most beautiful stage, healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. You didn't have the bandwidth for eating well, exercise, self-love, self-care. You were surviving. Now you do. Your mind is now making new rules, new boundaries, all new stuff based on where you've been. And you have a new worldview based on your entire experience. And the four legs of that table in the beginning, it was just all about the physical and the mental. We're solidly grounded by this point because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. I love that. And one of the things like the people, like kind of losing people, realizing you can't bring people with you. I think a lot of us struggle with that. You know, the lifelong friends. Can you, can you kind of speak to that? It's so, it's so scary when you don't understand it and when you don't know it. And that's why I write about it and trust again as a warning. It is so common because you can have your friends. It doesn't matter 10, 20, 30 years. And then you say, what the heck is happening? Is it me? Yes, it is. You're changing and you see things differently. You are not okay with gossip anymore or low level, you know, low energy conversations or a one-sided friendship. You're making different rules. See, that's the thing too. When after a trauma and when it's about that resilience, about that really profound change, you're creating a new identity. You're bringing the parts you like. You're leaving behind the parts that don't serve. So we're very aware of what we were tolerating that we're no longer willing to tolerate. You know, and, and I see this in our community all the time. It's you, you realize, wow, I was settling. Why, why was it okay that I just had that one friend who would always just sort of, you know, dump on me and, and I was always there for her and it was never reciprocal. Here's where you realize, I don't want that anymore. And, and we're really growing and what happens so often, I'll give you a little diagram. This, this explains so much right here. After we, we we're kind of here before our experience right. and then there's the crash whatever it is. And then we decide, should we choose to do the work, right? So we're, we're helping ourselves. We're making changes physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, but those other people are right here. So, you know, what we do at first, we feel very uncomfortable. We don't want to outgrow them. So we keep doing this. We like it here, but we keep doing this. We like it here, but we keep doing this. And then we're like, I like it here. And we want them to do this, but they're not at, they may not be ready, able, yeah. ready. you know what happens eventually? get that and you know we're, we're like oh i see you clearly and they're like oh what happened to you so here's the thing we need to be so rock solid here mm -hmm. that this either doesn't bother us we love them for who they are right mm -hmm. or this but here's the thing too when you are so committed to being right here and you cannot you're unwilling to do that anymore this can't help but show up it just can't so like in the case of, with my husband i was doing this on my own mm -hmm. and he was like what the heck? I better step up. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. I've had a variety of things. Like my mom actually really showed up in a way that I'm very grateful mm -hmm. for. And there were a couple of friends that really um, couldn't. Yeah. And they're just, that's not where they are. They're either not capable, not willing, and then you're here and then you can love them for who they are and that's okay. And you're not really affected by it, but you're not doing this and you're not expecting this. You know, this is suffering when you're expecting this, but when you're like, 
I, it's okay. I just love you and let's see each other and I have no expectations and we're good. That can work too. As, but this is where you're supposed to be. Well, and this kind of gets into the idea of trusting yourself and feeling like you deserve this. Can you mm -hmm. speak to that a little bit? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I teach a four-step trust rebuilding process. I'm happy to go through that too, if it would serve. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, because here's the thing. What I look at trust as, as a brick wall, right? Here's my fake brick wall, your brick wall, where it's like, it's how is trust built? brick by brick by brick, right? Each opportunity that person had to prove that they were trustworthy represents a brick in that wall, right? And then, and, you know, a mind-blowingly painful moment, the entire wall can come tumbling down. Right. Now, but here's the thing, how can it be built again? That's what people ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? I don't believe so. Can it be rebuilt? Yes. But what does it take? The same way it was built the first time, brick by brick by brick. So the person where the trust was shattered has to be willing to watch that brick wall be rebuilt. And the person who broke the trust has to be a really good bricklayer, right? And again, each opportunity to show they have that they're trustworthy is represents a brick in that wall. But one of the most common things that happens is we lose trust in ourselves because we say, I'm a bright person. How did I not see? How did I not know? So to rebuild it, we have to start at the very foundation because that's where it was shattered. Mm -hmm. It's found, trust is foundational. The, the people, the, the person who gave us that sense of safety and security is the very one to take it away. So it needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. So you start with, you know, level one, which is rebuilding that very foundation. And I'm talking as basic as, will the sunrise? I don't even know. So you test it, right? Yeah. Sure enough, there it is. And you do that a couple of days till you're like, you know what? I can count on the sun's going to rise. I'm good. Okay, there's your foundation. The next, once you, you're truly okay with that, and that may, may take a while, the next um, level is you have to trust in your gut, your wise inner guide, your intuition, which we turn down so often, right? And think about it. If, if, um, you know, you ever hear someone who like they're saying one thing, but the body language, the mannerisms are off. Right. Trust it. It's not yeah. congruent. The, the head, the heart, the everything, everything has to speak the same way. And if they don't, we have to trust that and strengthen that. If someone, uh, you know, you'll see like, let's say two babies giggling. Trust that. It feels good. Know how your body responds when you feel trust know how it does, how it, it responds when you do not feel trust. And from there, you have a bit of safety because now you trust, well, you know what? My intuition is telling me this. My intuition is telling me that. From there, you have to start rebuilding trust in yourself because that was equally shattered. You don't trust your judgment. You don't trust anything. So the way to do that is you give yourself little tasks and then you do them. I'm going, to get, I'm going to drink that glass of water and then you do. I'm going to make that phone call and then you do. I'm not going to call my ex and then you don't, whatever it is. And now you're, what you're doing is you're showing yourself, my word is law. I'm trustworthy. So you can imagine you've built that foundation. You trust that wise inner guide, your intuition, your gut, your whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Now you trust yourself. You can feel that sense of safety and security only from that space do you now carefully and cautiously start to, you know, uh, trust in others? What we do so often is because it's so awkward or uncomfortable and we don't like the feeling, we bypass all the other stuff and we're like, okay, I'll just trust you again. It doesn't work. Oh. Or, or even being open to like, if, if 
a relationship ends in an unraveling, being open to dating new people. Right. But we, that's why yeah. we have to rebuild trust in ourselves first. It never works when we try to bypass it because right. that's foundational. And, and we always want, you know, and then we wonder also, and it's that same, I can't stand that whole, you complete me thing. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. So what does that mean? I'm a half best case scenario. I'm a half. And the only way I'm whole is yeah. if I, well, what, why is my wholeness contingent on someone else? Yeah. Right. Cause what happens if, if something happens to them? So the whole idea is this is your opportunity to just become your physical, mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual best. You're a whole. And from that space, that's when you can meet another whole. Then you're a power couple. It's a whole different opportunity. Right, right. And I love also the way, I mean, you talk a little bit about um, resilience versus transformation, but can you share the story of a you know, when the house gets destroyed. I, lo I love that analogy. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, the, the difference, but here's the difference between resilience and transformation and, and my view of it. Resilience is bringing back, restoring. You need that for your everyday. Transformation is a whole different thing. So using that analogy of a house, let's yeah. say the house needs a boiler and you get that boiler. That would be resilience. You are restoring it. Let's say it needs a roof and you get a roof. That would be, that you know, that would be resilience. You are, you are restoring it. Here's trauma and transformation. A tornado comes by, levels the house. A boiler's not gonna fix it. A roof's not gonna fix it. You know, both of those won't fix it. And here's the thing. You truly have every right to stand there at the lot where your house once stood and say, this is the worst thing that's ever happened and you'd be 100% right. And then you can call over everybody you know and say, look at this, isn't this the most horrible thing you've ever seen and everyone around you would agree and you truly have the right to mourn and kick and scream the loss of your house until your last breath however if you choose to rebuild the house you don't have to but if you choose to there's nothing there why would you build the same one right yes. why yes. not bigger better more beautiful that's the opportunity trauma is the setup for transformation and you, you know, to, to stare at the light, and this is what most people do. They stay, that's why they stay stuck in that stage three. They are refusing to accept and acknowledge the loss of the house, yeah. right? But then there are others who say, all right, well, it's gone. And I'm going to build the, you know, I'm going to build the best house possible. That's the opportunity. Totally. Yeah. I see. I, I love how you reframe kind of crisis as an opportunity for change, a catalyst. Well, it's so easy to get stuck. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to get stuck because we have a great story. You know, it's, it's, it hurts. It's painful. And I'm not minimizing any of that. It stinks. You, you know, right. It's awful. However, however, staying stuck isn't fair to us. Right. It's just not, it's just not. So if you, however it is that you move through when it comes to betrayal, the five stages, really when it comes to every, any crisis, how do you move through it? You owe it to yourself. Remember I started with this, you were here, that experience landed you here, but that doesn't mean that's where you plant roots. No, that means you have, look at the, the incentive. You can't, you can't do this from here. Right. And so why would you stay here? Why would you stay here? I mean, yes, great love songs come from here. <laughs> <laughs> great poem. Yeah. 
you know, but really nothing else good that I could think of. No. And, and I really love, I mean, you're, you, we're very aligned. Like my whole intention with resilience roadmap is to give people a roadmap, to give them actionable strategies. I know you have a course as well so that, you know, I, I love that you figured it out and you're taking people with you. And I'm hoping that a lot of the listeners will follow you. So share more about how they can work with you. Oh, well, the, thank you. The best thing they could do is we have the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. And that's, um, that was, we've had at this point, I don't know, 18,000 people who've taken to see to what extent they're struggling. And what that's about is there's this collection of physical, mental, emotional symptoms so common to betrayal. It's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. So best thing to do for them is start going there. And that's at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Perfect. Perfect. And your books are trust again. Fantastic. And you have some courses as well, right? Yeah. Well, we have uh, you, you, from trust again to uh, within the PBT Institute, we have programs, we have certified coaches teaching daily classes. We have master classes with experts. We have my open Q and A and we have just the most amazing uh, groups and clubs and forums of, of people who get it who people get, but it's there, they're all there to lift and inspire. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. The support groups, like I avoided the grief groups because mm -hmm. everyone was stuck. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. I looked at it and I said, I want to create a community, first of all, of what I desperately needed back when I had my own experience. And then based on the research and then based on what the 17, 18,000 people have said they wanted. And then I looked at what didn't work. And clearly what didn't work is if someone just goes to a therapist who is not highly skilled in how to move someone through betrayal, that does more harm than good. If someone is numbing, avoiding, distracting, that's not helping them either. Or if they're in some sort of support group where it's like the ain't it awful club and when you, you're healing, you don't belong. Like what the heck is that? So everything that didn't work, I'm like, we're not having that in our community and everything that does work is included. So it's, it's support is crucial. And even everybody in the study said how much they would have benefited from support, but the right kind of support. Yeah. That makes yeah. all the difference in the world. I had a lot of ain't it awful people in my life. Not yeah, that, that. It keeps you stuck. It just keeps you stuck. So, you know, in, in just our uh, forms and in our community, it's the kind of thing where someone's sharing and then they are met with, oh, wow, good for you. How did that work? Oh, that's great. So it's, it's inspiring. It's, it's inspiring. It's supporting. It's uplifting. And the idea is we're looking at the community. It's like training wheels. You, know, you need it until you don't. Yes. You're not yes. supposed to stay there forever. You have that great story about the person, no Kleenex holders. Can you share that? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, that's really funny because I used to, <laughs> I used to have this women's empowerment group and, um, and I thought it was it was great. And I had one friend who just kept sending people to my group. I think this is a story time. Kept sending yeah. people to my group and then they would never come back. And one day he said, what the heck are you doing there? I keep sending people and they're not coming back. I said, well, the whole idea is it's not just to sit and marinate on your issues. I've been coaching for 30 years. If I'm going to find out what's going on, it's so that I can extract what I need to know. So we do something with it. Yeah. And that's not what I, I don't attract a lot of people who just want to rehash their story over and over. They may want to, 
that's not my people. Oh no, it was the, the people who um, wanted credit for giving you the Kleenex. Okay, so like, that was in that group. Yeah. So in that group, one of the, um, I had a, a bunch of rules that I would start with and one of them was no tissue issue. That's it. Yeah, and they would say, what the heck is a tissue issue? And it's tissue issue is this, we would have a big round circle and there'd be a box of tissues because we're bringing up some deep stuff. And inevitably someone would, someone would have a, a crisis, but I made sure, not a crisis, just a, you know, something would- A release. Through, a release. And so I made sure, I told them beforehand, no tissue issue. And what that is, is when someone has that release, there's always that someone who wants to run over with the tissues. And two things happen right then. It stops that person from fully experiencing what may have been buried for so long. And number two, it makes it all about the person who brought the tissues over. Yeah, I had a lot of tissue issue people. That's who... it. And, and so I, I set the scene and the context by letting them know, we know you're all wonderful. That's not it. You don't have to share this here. Of course, if you're sitting right next to that person, you know, give them a little gentle rub, whatever. But you don't want to break that by uh, by racing over with the tissues. And it's their moment, not yours. So I well, yeah, yeah. One one friend who um, actually lived locally. I had people flying from different continents, and they were like, "Oh my god, I'm such a good friend because I, you know, was here and I have kids." And we were all like, yeah. "If that's how you feel, go home." <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's that's a, a different kind of tissue issue. Yeah, but it's the same thing. It's like when that person is going through their most painful experience. Yeah, be there. And you know, one thing I learned too. I learned this years ago when my mom passed that some friends just absolutely didn't know what to say. And I'm sure you've experienced this too. Oh yeah. And so they didn't. And I remember how, how bad that felt. So going forward, I would say so often if someone uh, would lose someone they loved, I would say, I don't know what the heck to say to you, but I'm just here. I love you. Yeah. And that's actually the perfect thing to say, you know, yeah. Or, or just um, a couple of people tried to validate. They just said, I just want to acknowledge, like, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, it, you know, it's, you just want, you just want to know you're not alone. Someone's there, but I couldn't pretend to understand what you've been through. So why would I, but I just want you to know I'm there. But that also opens the door and gives them permission to say what they're really feeling when you're not projecting what you expect them to feel on them. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, but that's, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest things people go through. People you love will go through so much. Just show up. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're flubbing all over yourself. doesn't matter. Just show up. Yeah. No one escapes, sadly. That's it. And I, and I remember even uh, with my betrayal, it, there were friends who they stayed away because maybe they thought it was contagious. I don't know. Yes. Oh, yes. But you remember stuff like that. And it, it just doesn't feel good. It just doesn't feel good. So, you know, and I always it's, it's easy kind of to look at or, or they vilify you because if you're a good person and this happened to you, it means it could happen to them. So they have yeah. to somehow. Right. Radio. Well, yeah. And, and I get it. I, and I understand people are uncomfortable and it's, you know, it's, it's awkward, but that's when you see who your friends are. And that's why it's so common to outgrow friends. When you're moving from that stage three to stage four, you just, you're just not tolerating it. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, when you think of that, that I just love the whole idea of the caterpillar, right? The caterpillar just there's that one day it's just done being a caterpillar hangs it right hangs itself from a branch in order to die to the life it's known spins the cocoon around itself and think about it 
goes through something where it's unrecognizable, you know, from anything it once was. And, and because of that discomfort, I imagine, or just because of that change, it emerges as one of the most beautiful creatures on our planet, the butterfly. The caterpillar cannot become the butterfly if it doesn't undergo that experience. Just as we can't get to the other side of our crisis trauma, if we're unwilling to get a little messy and uncomfortable. I love this. You've shared so many amazing, uh, valuable tools. Is there anything else we didn't touch on that you'd like to share? You know, I, I would really just just say that that the most important lesson I've learned through this and just in any crisis, and I've, I've had a few in my day uh, between disease, death of a loved one, betrayal, is um, just because it happened to you, it's not about you. And whatever it is that you need to do to find your way over through whatever, uh, do something good with something bad. Otherwise, it's just like a bad game of hot potato. Yep. You know? Don't let it define you. I love that. Thank you so much, Debbie. You're the best. Mwah. Uh, thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening. I hope this podcast empowered you with some useful information and takeaways. If you like this episode, please consider sharing a positive review and consider subscribing. I would also love to offer you my free parasympathetic toolkit as a gift just for listening. It will teach you how to activate the most important nerve in your body to turn on your ability to heal. This free toolkit includes a checklist, a video, and a detailed guide. If this podcast prompted any questions, you can always find answers on my blog at Vibrant Blue Oils or in my book, Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. Until next time, wishing you vibrant health.